before we get to the episode, I just wanted to shout out to my fellow podcasters. Thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. I want to give something back to you guys as well. If you're looking for sponsors, affiliate links, ads, go on podmetrics.co. That's P-O-D-M-E-T-R-I-C-S dot co. And use my code Divine Healing by D to sign up and find sponsors. That's podmetrics.co. Referral code Divine Healing by D. Good luck. Welcome back to Divine Healing by D. Today I have on a repeated guest. It's a Carrie Hummingbird. If you haven't listened to her last episode, I would definitely go listen to that. Uh, we have her on to discuss her fifth book called Inner Medicine, Becoming One with Mother Earth for the Survival of Humanity. We are going to talk about the descendants of the high shamans of the Inca, the care of medicine people. And she has been initiated by them to bring their knowledge. So if you want to know how to live a more authentic life, just how they live, I would definitely listen to this. It's a great episode. And here is Carrie. Hope you enjoy it. About how and where you got the inspiration for your new book. That's such a good question. I was actually um, attempting to start a bunch of other books, and none of them worked out. And I thought, why am I writing these other books? Because the other books I've written and published that have done so well were very clear guidance. And um, so I wasn't used to starting a book and then not finishing it. And and then I realized um, that this book was the next book to be written, and it has to do with medicine wheel teaching, and it has to do with um, sharing what I've learned about walking the beauty way. And and so a few pieces needed to come into place before I could actually begin this book. And uh, those were the other little books we were attempting to get at those little threads. And so when those were out of the way and then I realized it, I was like, okay, now I'm ready. Now I'm ready to understand what I'm actually doing next. And of course, you know, it's aligned with what I teach. So it makes perfect sense now on the other side of it. Did you like happen to predict this or manifest this or is it just something that came to you and you just rode with it? Um, It's actually most of my books that have been published are things that came to me as an inspiration that this is what I'm um this is my invitation from spirit to work on this book uh, all right. the ones so far awakening to me and um and the second wave love is fierce and now this book they all sort of dropped in as something that uh I needed to work on and it's usually a process that I'm working on so I'm mm-hmm. working on putting things together inside of myself and I'm documenting that process Right. And as a collective, what do you think the world is suffering most from or struggling with in regards to health? In regards to health? Yes. I think a really big thing that we're ignoring in regards to health is our feelings. And, you know, a lot of people have ideas that, 
you know, anger is negative or grief is negative or fear is negative. And so I don't want to feel those things because if I'm doing it right, I should just only be in joy. You know, I should only be in happiness. I should only be in abundance. And, you know, the truth is we don't live in that one side, you know. So the medicine wheel teaching is really about embracing the shadow and the light. It's all part of um, a bigger composition. It's almost like I'm a painter. You know, I don't know if you knew that, but I like to paint. I've always, uh, for a little while, I was being a professional painter. And the thing that was so interesting about painting, my teacher used to tell me, you need to create the negative space and then add the light, but you need to work on it at the same time. So you need to add, you know, the dark element and then add the light element and keep balancing the dark and the light next to each other in the painting in order to really give it depth. And I think that's true for life as well. You know, these emotions, they balance each other and they give us depth. And uh, so I think when we can start to embrace all of the human experience, the range of emotions, our health is going to clear up because we're not like trying to push something away that's actually wanting to come through. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, very well said. So can you walk through um, the first interaction with the uh, medicine men and the, like what your feeling was and just, just the whole experience. So interesting. I remember my first interaction with the Caro people mm-hmm. was um, through the Four Winds Society and uh, the Four Winds Light Body School of Alberto Vialdo. Um, that's my uh, first teacher of shamanic uh, energy medicine. And mm-hmm. I remember I, it was in Joshua Tree because I was taking my class at Joshua Tree. And this class I'd actually gotten for free because my friend had found um, on some donation site that they'd offered this as a donation um, to bid on. And so I bid on it and I won. <laughs> it was so cool. Right. So I went out to Joshua Tree and he, um, Alberto always brings the Caro people with him for these retreats. Uh, so they're like a week-long retreat and you're there all week and you're learning from Western teachers, you know, Western people who have integrated the medicine. But the right. Caro people are there backing the whole thing up. And man, they do this fatos and fire ceremony with us. There was like an otherworldly feeling. It was like nothing I had felt before. The Mm -hmm. energy of the sacred was like so thick you could cut it, like almost like Scooby-Doo. Like it was so thick you could cut it with a knife, right? Like the fog is Scooby-Doo. Like, you know, it was like that. But it was the sacred. It was like, oh, my gosh. this. And we got all of our activations and the – uh, in our energy bodies, the initial ones uh, during that retreat, it was it was like a door open to this other realm that I didn't even know existed, and here it was, and it was palpable, it was real, it was, and it and and it was held in such a beautiful way, and the Carol people are so, I mean, they're people, they're humans, but they are so filled with moon eye, with love as part of their spiritual discipline and practice handed down generation after generation, that they walk through the world in a very different way than I was walking through it at that time. It was a big juxtaposition. That's amazing. And when I'll tell you one more story about that, actually. Let me tell you one more. Um, There was um, at one of those retreats, 
uh, at the fire ceremony where we all, you know, this is a path of fire. So we give everything to the fire, everything we don't want and everything we do want. We give it all to the fire and then we bring in a new imprint from the fire. And we were doing one of those ceremonies and one of the Caro um, medicine women was um, walking around the fire making prayers and somebody had captured a picture of her and when we saw the picture later that night Uh you could see the rainbow bubble around her entire body like her auric veil like this giant rainbow bubble around her it was amazing that's beautiful I love that and when you did you have any doubts when you met them or were you just like ready to listen and hear them out and was there any fear involved or no um i think at this point i'd already been down to the bottom of my tunnel of like uh suicidal ideation i don't want to be here this sucks so i was already kind of deciding that i'm just going to give my entire self to death Mm -hmm. and stay alive you know, so I, yeah. I just, at that point I was ready. I was like just absorbing, soaking up, um, really, um, amazed by this feeling of love that was so palpable. I wasn't afraid of it. I was excited by it. And I, yeah, I was just at the buffet, you know, like sign me up, <laughs> let me have some more, um, because how I'd been living before was so unpleasant. And did they start with, I'm just curious, like, how they started sharing their tips and their ways to live. Did it start with uh, proper ways to eat? How did they, like, integrate you into that? Into their ways of living? Yeah. Like, the small things. Eating, the meditation, just anything that they're doing differently than us that we can adapt. I'd love to know. (laughs) I mean, they're doing everything different than us. Um, (laughs) Everything. It's, it's, it's really how they hold themselves more than anything else. It's mm-hmm. the energy of presence is mm-hmm. palpable. They're not distracted by the things that we get distracted by. So when a person gets distracted in their mind, mm-hmm. their energy field collapses. So their energy field gets very, very centered in the mind. And it, they get closed and constricted. And usually if they're worrying, it gets even tighter and tighter. And so a person that's living like that, their energy field looks very compressed. And they start to have a physical appearance of um, right. less energy, like the battery is going down. Um, a person who is living in Munai is living in love, is living in harmony, in balance, in what they call Aini which is right relationship, their face is wide open. Their eyes are open. Their body and energy field is open. When they walk in the room, it doesn't feel heavy or dense. It feels super light and expansive. And so a person who walks in the world like that, um, you, you feel potential is constantly in the space around them. There's constantly right. this field of potential. Yeah, and they they don't they don't feel they feel healthy, you know. So the juxtaposition is really impressive because you can see 
just a huge contrast with both kinds of people in the same room. Western people having lots of focus on what's wrong with me, what's wrong with the world, things aren't working out, I don't like this, I'm sad, I'm depressed, people are crying and upset. And the Carol people are like, everything is possible. If you don't like this reality, change the reality. And they're kind of very open. They're they're not sad, you know, they're they're seeing the potential in things. I love that. They sound like very positive, beautiful people. And so they're saying that women are shakarua, uh, right? A sacred bridge. When I read that, I have to tell you, I kind of went back to uh, Kabbalah and when in some of the books I read that women are supposed to be like a vessel. So I kind of compared it to that, like we're a vessel for the men and um, our energy is very sacred. So can you like talk more about that, what this sacred bridge is to them? Yeah, and so we are here to feel everything, right? I mean, one of the gifts of women is we are gifted with this body that has at least three times the sensory receptors as a masculine body. And so we really are set up for sensation and feeling. Mm-hmm. And we're set up to be attuned in to the nuances of everything going on. Because right. we're really here, you know, and in the um and you can see this in the carol, even with the indigenous people, oftentimes the women are they seem like they're in the background, but they're mm-hmm. actually tuning in to like everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And they are the they are like the fabric that's holding it all together. Right. And the men might stand in the front, but they're actually not in the front. They're it's a balance. The two energies work together. And in Western culture we put the woman in the front. And that she's like um the object. But then the problem is that because men don't have the same level of emotional receptors as women, they don't know how to hold the fabric. You know, they don't know how to, to pick up on the nuances of things. They're yeah. sort of ignorant about that. And so I'm we're sure. giving them a job that they really can't do. You know, they try, but they can't they don't pick up the nuances. So we're learning how to make a balance. And I wouldn't say that like any one system is better than another at this point because mm-hmm. we've only been having different experiences. And I always, I really take it to heart that we are in the time of the eagle and the condor flying in the sky together, which to me means these ways of life are going to blend somehow in an even better way than we ever imagined was possible as we move through this transition with beginner's mind, all of us. I see. Yeah. And if we could like rewind a little bit, talk about shamans, they are, they're, they're like the descendants of the high shamans of the Inca, right? Yeah. The Carol people that are descendants of the high shamans of the Inca, the Laika and Apparently, um, Alberto's, um, what he shares with us is that his teacher was one of the last Laika on the planet, the actual descendants. 
And so this is why it was so important that that information was conveyed because they really felt that this wisdom is not just theirs to hold, that mm -hmm. these teachings needed to be spread across the whole world, which is one of the reasons why they invite anybody from any background across any place in the earth to come and learn from them and to take these teachings and, and incorporate them into their own lives uh, in the way that makes sense for them. So there's not like a religious doctrine, you know, right. there's no like you have to do this and then you have to do this and you have to do it exactly this way. No, they they know that every human is an artist. Every human is a creator. And so all they're giving you is some basic things that they practice that really tend to clear things up. Like they work with the three centers in the mind. They work with right thinking, how to miyachai in the heart right love, hotum munyai, and then in the will center, it's hotum yankai, right action. So they work with right thinking, right love, right action, and they align this with the fire. So they'll put the fire into those three centers because the fire has the basic building blocks of all the creation. It has the light of truth. It has that blue flame. It has the light of compassion. It has the rose flame. And it has the light of the sun of Inti. It has the light of Tatawari, uh, which is a uh, Wichita word. But the Inti is the tarot, the sun. It has that light. So this is the basic building block. So they just say, go, you know what? I must need to reset what I think, what I feel, and what I do. So I'll just keep resetting with the basic building blocks. And it, they have some other really basic practices that anyone can incorporate into their existing system and be benefited by. Amazing. I love it. And if you can really get into more of what shamans are for people who don't know, and can everyone be a shaman? Well, the Carol people believe everybody already is a shaman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just, a, are you aware of it? <laughs> That's the difference. So we're in a, in a way we all are shamans in a shaman being someone who is able to um, navigate the world, uh, the different worlds, the world of spirit and the world of form, and create something in the world of form from the inspiration of the world of spirit. And so that's essentially the shaman. The shaman gets to be the spider, weaving the webs with words that create reality. And then we get to experience the reality that we've spoken to being. So all of us are doing that already. It's just that most of us are doing that unconsciously. We're saying stories all the time. We're gossiping. We're spreading information here, there, and everywhere. We're saying things to ourselves. And we have these repeating ideas and stories. And that is creating the reality that we are experiencing and that people close to us are experiencing, the ones we tell stories about. So we're already doing it. So what they want us to do is become aware that we are that powerful, that the words that we speak are creating reality. And so when we realize how powerful we are, we decide to learn to be impeccable with our word, which is a Toltec teaching. You know, be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally and make, don't make assumptions and do your best. These are the four agreements of the Toltec which I also weave into my work. But they want you to be aware that you already are a shaman. It's just that you don't know it yet. 
So to be masterful as a shaman is mm-hmm. to not focus on what you don't want with your words. Become aware of what's going on, like you're aware of what's happening all around you. And then mm-hmm. you just shift your focus towards the most beneficial outcome possible. Not bypassing what's going on, just shifting your focus, keeping it in your periphery and heading in the direction you want to go. That is the art of being a shaman. And then using your word to open up potentials. That is, that's really what they're doing. They're, anytime a shaman sits with a person, a Western person, and it's so delightful that um, when you go down to Peru, a lot of times the shamans don't speak English, which is perfect because they don't really want to sit there and listen to our story anyway. Right. They yeah. see the results of our story. You know, they look at you, they see your energy field all collapse, they see you all fat and depressed, they see you all tight and heavy, and they go, I don't really right. need to know what story created this outcome. You know, so you want to tell them because you want to spread it, but they don't want to hear it. So they want to just look at you and go, the outcome of this person's stories are not working out very well for this person. And then they, they just look and they, they look on the person's light. They look through the story into the light in the side of the person and they say, What's, what does this person need for the best and highest potential? They listen to that source within. And then they clear away everything that's really not related to that highest potential. They just use their feathers and everything else to just release everything that is not to the highest. Right. And and then the person feels miraculously open and better. <laughs> it's like, what happened? They they cleared away the false reality, the false part of the person. Hmm. I love that. It's like they don't need to hear the words. They just need to feel your energy, and they're good. That's it. Yeah, they just they see the results of the story. So why would we keep telling that one if it's resulting like this? We want to tell a different story. So they yeah. just they, they're able to perceive where that story lives within you, shift that story energetically, open up a space for you to create something based on something more true within you, bring that light forward, you know? And then from that light within, that light within is going to create a much more beneficial story than the false personality. That's deep. That's very, very deep. I love that. Um, could you give advice to people who are listening to this who want to get involved in, uh, like, plant medicine, kind of adapt the ways of uh, medicine men people? Like, how do we incorporate, like, herbs into our lives and, and our diet, stuff like that? Well, working with plants is multi-level, right? So when you say plant medicine, most people assume that means um, – uh, plant medicines that take you on a journey, you know, that mm-hmm. that um, give you an experience. Um, and those plants are very powerful and they're very beautiful and they're not also um, a pill, you know. So, in other words, a lot of times people have a problem in their life and then they say, well, I just want to go, you know, I want to take a Western pill, but I don't want to do that now, so I want to go use plant medicine. So they want to go to a ceremony for one night and have all their problems fixed. And it's not really useful for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what is useful is as part of a bigger path that you're walking, the bigger path is that spiritual practice, that shadow work, that looking at yourself deeply, watching your patterns, becoming aware, mindful of your word, tracking your own consciousness. If you're doing that on a regular basis, on a daily basis as part of your discipline, your spiritual discipline, then having a plant medicine ceremony 
adds to that exponentially because it can really catalyze some deep growth overnight. It can do some amazing things, but only really as part of an overall practice that you have, which is why most of my people um, that I work with, I really, um, I work with them at the energetic level. The Caro mm-hmm. shamans, they work at the energetic level. They only work with the stones and they put the stones inside your, your mesa bundle um, and then they work with that. They don't work with plants. Uh, they work with stones. And the Shibipo in the jungle, they work with plants. So when you start combining pathways, um, I think it's good to start with the Caro. They're very smart that way. Start with your discipline. Start with, you know, mm-hmm. put one strong foundation over another. Get your discipline going. Get your self-awareness going. Work with right. the energy body. And then at some point you work with the physical body. And this is what I did because the, um, yeah, I had some teachers uh, with the four winds is all energetic. And then I went and worked with some teachers that were plant medicine. And uh, what I noticed right away was that if I hadn't done that um, energetic uh, discipline spiritual path work first, and then I mm-hmm. would head into a you know ayahuasca ceremony. Right. Oh my gosh, I would have been <laughs> lost. I, you know, yeah. so the the interesting thing is because I had done all that work, I could take it all deeper now. And man, it was powerful. I remember I told my teacher after the first ceremony, I said, "Wow, this is Mother Earth medicine. This is not even the same thing." <laughs> And she kind of chuckled, you know, she chuckled because, yeah, she's like, it is powerful. And I've probably done, I don't know, I've done, uh, I don't even know how many ceremonies I've done, a lot of ayahuasca ceremonies. And ayahuasca is a beautiful plant. And the, the jungle people, they, they that's their medicine. They know how to do that best. So you also want to work with people who are um, maestros or who are trained by the maestros to right. do the work. Um, a lot of people these days think, oh, well, I took, I had one ayahuasca ceremony and ayahuasca told me to serve medicine, so I'm going to go get some medicine now and serve it. That's a really mm-hmm. scary proposition. I wouldn't recommend working with that person. <laughs> you know, I want to work with somebody who's got generations of uh, training under their belt yeah. um, to, te- to guide me through the medicine or somebody trained by a person like that. I don't really want to work with somebody who had done one ayahuasca ceremony and thought, I can do this now. Um, that I think uh, you're in a very delicate state in your consciousness on such a medicine. You want to really be held by somebody whose ego isn't going to be in the way. That's very true. How can, besides that, how can other people like navigate um, different healers, like navigate through them to pick like the best person for them besides those tips that you gave? Anything else that they need to know before going on that journey? I mean, there's some medicines that are more forgiving. Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, psilocybin is one that um, even the medical field is um, doing trial studies with right now to figure out how to microdose psilocybin, how to do it safely. There's um, studies and experiments going on with a bunch of different practitioners in that area. So that's one area that might might be mainstream sooner, you know, in terms of being effective as um, as a tool for healing. Uh, it's a very effective medicine when used correctly, you know, in a healing context. Um, I I have to say, although I have been a person that when I was younger, 
uh, worked with uh, marijuana. I can't say I really recommend that these days. Um, mm-hmm. I've had some some situations close to me that have revealed to me that mm-hmm. it can be very damaging, especially for um, people who have young brains. And yeah. unfortunately, a lot of people with young brains right now are using marijuana um, in very strong strains of it. And the danger of this is uh, schizophrenia uh, mm. has been now linked with these marijuana strains um, that, that young people doing a lot of this really strong marijuana while their brains are still being formed end up with schizophrenia in their early 20s. And this is not just a myth. It's, I'm having this experience in my life. So I want to say it's not a myth. It is something to be very concerned about. And, you know, the thing about marijuana is uh, it's a very deceptive plant. Yeah. So, um, you know, when you're working with her, you've got to be aware that she's not going to tell you the whole truth. She's actually going to seduce you into some stuff and maybe not tell you all the truth about it uh, and then lead you down this little tunnel. For example, she might say, hey, if you smoke me, you can sleep better. But then if you pay attention, you're not sleeping better, you're sleeping worse over a period of time. So you you got to watch that medicine. It's very, very uh, seductive and a little deceptive. And there's other parts of the plant that are extremely helpful, like the CBD have some really great healing benefits. But even with that, sometimes with the CBD, they're putting in THC, they're putting in these strains that are actually the things that people are vaping, and they are causing the schizophrenia. So it's a it's an area you've got to really wow. do a lot of research into before you get involved with that. And I I'm sorry, but I can't support all my friends who are like plant power and all that right now with this because I'm seeing some results of it that are scaring me. So um, yeah, I would say maybe you want to be careful with that. And in terms of like psilocybin, it's mm-hmm. it's a very wonderful. Um, easy, gentle, uh, proliferous medicine all over the world in different ways. And still, you want to be guided in that because there are some versions that are very highly toxic, right, and could actually kill you. you know? So you, you definitely want to be working with an experienced professional. Um, with that particular medicine, they are experimenting with it in terms of um, licensing people and how to use it in a correct way and for maximum benefit. So there's a lot of research going into that right now, and I I totally support that. I think that is a really good area of inquiry because there can be some pretty deep, profound um, healing that could happen, PTSD and trauma that could happen through the use of that medicine, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So what is next for you? What's the next book going to do we know? Are we inspired by anything yet, or we're just riding the wave out? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I am... (laughs) I'm recording the Audible right now, which my husband did. A, um, recorded a funny video of me um, the other day trying to record the Audible from my house. <laughs> um, I have a fairly quiet neighborhood, but um, people don't realize like how loud motorcycles are and uh, the mail truck and the garbage truck and the planes that want to fly overhead. And it's like it is so such a good test of my patience and, you know, that I yeah. can do this project. But that's what I'm working on right now is recording the audible of inner medicine. And I never did an audible for Love is Fierce, so that is coming as well after this uh, one is complete. 
so I'm uh, doing a lot of recording, and and then I I'd like to breathe for a hot second. Um, mm-hmm. But I think what's going to be happening after that is a project that's you know already underway experientially, which is a book I'm going to do with my husband um, on sacred partnership. So we are experiencing it right now. <laughs> we haven't started writing anything. But um, we've been experiencing sacred partnership now for the last six years, uh, going on seven. And uh, so, yeah, that's going to be creating a book at some point in the near future. Next couple of years, there'll be that book. Love it. Great. Well, it was so nice to speak to you again. I'm excited uh, to see where this book takes you and new projects coming your way. So can you just tell, remind everybody where to find you again and where to buy this book? Absolutely. So the, all of my books are available on Amazon, and you can find all of my information, my programs, inner medicine training, my podcast, The Nectar Show. Everything is available at carriehummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com. And if you'd like to book a healing session, I do shamanic healing, that's all available um, on that website as well. And if you want a free, the free first chapter of Inner Medicine plus a grounding meditation, you can go to carriehummingbird.com forward slash inner medicine. Thanks, Carrie. Have a great one. We'll be in touch. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, I really appreciate ratings on Apple, reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.